Good morning. How's everybody doing? Welcome again to Christ Central. My name is Daniel, as Richard just prayed, one of the pastors. I'm really glad that you're with us today. Uh, as fall is definitely here, as the, the, the leaves are changing, the colors are bright. Thanksgiving's this week. Advent starts next week. It's a, it's a good time of year. Uh, we will begin next Sunday an Advent sermon series that will last the four weeks of Advent and then our Christmas Eve service. This morning, we are finishing our series on the life of Elijah. Uh, I'm going to give you a quick recap, if you haven't uh, been here, even if you have, on some of the things we've discussed. Uh, Elijah is one of Israel's major prophets, and he is ministering in in an awful time in Israel's history. Uh, Israel has been uh, led into the worship of the false god Baal uh, by their own king and queen. And they are mixing and matching this, this worship with the worship of Yahweh, which is called syncretism. And the Israelites are hard-hearted. They're not listening to the prophets of God. As a result, the children of Israel are growing up in this insane culture of false worship, syncretism, a culture uh, of people who have forgotten who the true God is. And Elijah is God's prophet speaking into this time, into this moment. He is the word of God sent to be with the people of God. Elijah is the voice of God, the presence of God. And in our passage this morning, he's about to be taken away from the people of God. It's a major transition in the life of Israel. Everyone, especially the disciple of Elijah, Elisha, is wondering in this transition, what's going to happen next? Right? Transitions, if we're honest, are scary, right? It can be the transition from junior high to high school, graduating college to starting your first job, to moving to a brand new city, getting married, having children, changing jobs, changing churches, sending a child off to college, becoming an empty nester, retirement, death. Transitions can be scary because we wonder, well, what's next? So we're going to look at a major transition in the life of Israel this morning in 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 14. I'm going to ask you if you're able to go ahead and stand as we give attention to the Word of God. 2 Kings verses 1 through 14. This is God's Word to us this morning. Now when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, please stay here for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel, and the sons of the prophets who were in Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And he said, yes, I know it. Keep quiet. Elijah said to him, Elisha, please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. And the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho drew near to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And he answered, Yes, I know it. Keep quiet. Then Elijah said to him, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Fifty men of the sons of the prophets also went and stood at some distance from them, and they both were standing by the Jordan. Then Elijah took his cloak and rolled it up and struck the water, and the water was parted to the one side and to the other, till the two of them could go over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, Please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. And he said, You have 
asked a hard thing. Yet, if you see me as I am being taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. And as they still went on and talked, behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. And then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. And he took up the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. And then he took the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water, saying, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he had struck the water, the water was parted to the one side and to the other, and Elisha went over. The prophet Isaiah tells us the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Pray with me. Lord God, I ask that you would pour out your spirit upon your word that our minds might be enlightened, our hearts transformed, that you would come now and remove me, the the preacher, so that Christ and Christ alone is encountered. And I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing to you because you are our rock and our redeemer. And so we pray that you would speak to us and be with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can have a seat. This is a major transitioning that is happening in our text, right? Elijah is being taken away and Elisha is being appointed as God's prophet. And Elisha asked a question in verse 14 that I believe is the question that we can ask in our times of transition, in our times of unknown, in the times where we we might be scared of what's next. And here's the question, verse 14. Where is the Lord? Where is the Lord? Or in other words, Lord, will you be with me? I can still see the faces of my two oldest boys when we dropped them off for their first day of kindergarten at a brand new school. Different years, uh, but I can remember each of their first day. Uh, Jumping out of the car, throwing on their backpacks. I I was proud dad as they walked into this new school. And and for both of them, as they walked towards school, they they would walk towards the school and they they looked back. They would walk and then they they would look back. And they were making sure that Rachel and I, mom and dad, were there that we were with them, and we watched them walk all the way into school, and we told them before they got out of the car, we're going to be right here to pick you up after school too. We wanted them to know we're here with you now, and we're going to be here with you later. And the promise and assurance of our presence led them to uh, trust and to walk in to that big school all alone as kindergartners. If you are a Christian Our big question when we're wondering what's next, when life feels out of control, when we're scared about what might happen next is, Lord, will you be with me? Where is the Lord? And our passage this morning teaches us that God always has been, always is, and always will be with us. I want to break my sermon into two halves this morning, not just two points. I've got subpoints under each of these. And uh, I, I want to look first and kind of interpret our passage and, and see how God is communicating the reality of his presence to Elisha and Israel. And then I want us to take some time to apply the reality of God's presence to us today. So that's what we're going to do. So let's look at this text and see how God's communicating his presence to Elisha and Israel. Verse 1 
It says the Lord is about to take Elijah to heaven. Right, here's the major transition. And then Elijah and Elisha, who's a disciple of Elijah. I know Elijah, Elisha, that gets confusing, uh, right? I'm going to do that a lot this morning. But Elisha is a disciple of Elijah. And they have this threefold repetitive interaction where Elijah tells Elisha, you stay here, the Lord has sent me. First to Bethel, then to Jericho, then to the Jordan River. And each time Elisha says, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. Elisha said, I'm not going anywhere. I am clinging tightly to the prophet of God. He's clinging tightly to the word of God and the presence of God. And the first thing that I want us to see that God does to communicate to Elisha and Israel, his presence, is that he roots them in their history and the reality that God has always been with them. Look at verse 8. Verse 8 is this, uh, an allusion to a very well-known Bible story. Maybe you're familiar with the Exodus narrative. Moses is the liberator and the prophet of God's people. Moses is raised up to fight for Israel and to lead them out of bondage and slavery in Egypt. And they flee the army of Egypt. They come to the Red Sea. And in that moment, they're wondering what's next. And they're questioning, is God with us or not? And God, through Moses, parts the Red Sea and they cross on dry ground. And then 70 years pass by. And God's people are waiting to enter the promised land. And they're staring into the promised land. They're wondering what's going to be next. God, are you with us or not? Will we be left all alone? And Moses is taken away by death. And then Joshua takes Moses' staff. God uses Joshua to part the Jordan River so that the people of God could enter the promised land, proving that God is with his people. Do you hear the echoes of this in our text? I mean, Elijah and Elisha are in Jericho. And then they go by the Jordan River and Elijah parts the waters. They cross over and they're staring back into Jericho. And the Lord takes Elijah away and Elisha takes Elijah's mantle, which is his cloak, strikes the water and asks the question, where is the Lord? And the waters part and Elisha goes over. And God is saying to Elisha, as I was with Moses and Joshua, so I am with you. I have always been with my people. God knows that when we are consumed by what is next, that we're all prone to forget his faithfulness and his faithful presence in the past, which is why the Bible is full of exhortations to remember, to remember God has always been with us. The second thing we see that God is doing with Elisha and Israel is that he is confirming his presence to them in the present, in the moment. Elisha asked Elijah in verse 9, please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. Elijah is not asking to have double the power of Elijah. He's asking for the rights to become the next prophet of God. We see that in Deuteronomy 21, where double portion refers to the rights of the inheritance of the firstborn. It's why Elisha calls Elijah, my father, my father, right? Elisha is asking that God would allow him to inherit the role of Elijah, that he would become the voice of God and the presence of God among the people of God. And then he tears his clothes into two pieces. Perhaps he's grieved at the loss of Elijah and or desperate for God to be with him and to do as he is asking. 
And as Elisha takes the cloak of Elijah and he touches the water of the Jordan, the waters part one side to the other. And God is telling him, I am with you. Right now, in this moment, my presence is with you. I'm not just the God who has been with my people in the past. I am the Lord who is with you in the present. I love the grace and the gentleness of our God. And when we are scared about what is next, when we are questioning and doubting, he shows up in the midst of our doubts and confirms he is with us. The last thing I'll point out about how God is communicating his presence to Elisha and Israel is that God is promising to be with them in the future. Elijah, along with Enoch in Genesis chapter 5, are the only characters in the Old Testament who do not die. Elijah in our text is taken to heaven. Old Testament scholar Walter Brueggemann makes, I think, a profound point about Elijah not dying. Stay with me here. It's a little bit lofty of a quote, but this is what Brueggemann says. He says, Elijah is kept alive by God in reserve for a return in power to continue the emancipatory work of Yahweh. Let me say that one more time. Elijah is kept alive by God in reserve for a return in power to continue the emancipatory work of Yahweh. The return of Elijah plays a major role of giving Israel hope of God's continued and future work. The return of Elijah, because he's not dead, shapes the future imagination of God's people. With hope, they look into the future, trusting that God will do new works of renewal and redemption in the world. We see that in places like Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 to 6, where Malachi writes, Lo, I will send you the prophet Elijah before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of parents to their children and the hearts of children to their parents so that I will not come and strike the land with a curse. See, when we are despairing about the future, God wants us to trust that he is a God powerful and faithful to bring renewal and redemption to the world. Which is why when there was a prophet in the wilderness who was in the spirit of Elijah baptizing people in the Jordan River, hope started to rise in Israel. And then Jesus goes to meet this prophet, John the Baptist, in the Jordan River, and John the Baptist baptizes Jesus, and the water don't part, the waters don't part, but heaven parts. And the Spirit of God descends on Jesus, and the Father says, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. This is Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. And then Jesus immediately goes into the wilderness and he is the faithful one who resists temptation. He is faithful for us. And then Jesus goes to the cross and he dies for us. And the people of God then are wondering in the death of Christ, what's next? Where is the Lord? And three days later, Jesus is raised from the dead. In Matthew 28, Jesus tells his followers, I will never leave you, but I will be with you to the ends of the age and in Acts chapter 1, Jesus is taken into heaven. He ascends like Elijah. He goes into glory on a cloud in victory, and he promises to come again. And in Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes down on the people of God. And in Revelation 21, we see that the end of all things will be the dwelling of God with all of humanity, God's presence with his people for all eternity. And we see that a major theme, not just of our passage, but of the whole Bible is that God has been 
and God is, and God always will be with us. So where are you, Lord? It's a deep question I think that we all ask. God, will you be with me? Will you leave me all alone? We can ask that question when tragedy strikes our lives. Right? Suffering in this world is inevitable and unavoidable. So when it comes our way, it is human to forget that God has been with us. It is human to doubt that God is with us. And it is human to despair that God might not be with us in the future. Where are you, Lord? We ask this question when we read the news. We don't have to read much news, but we just read the local news, the national news, the international news, and we see the suffering and we see tragedy. Maybe you find your, your safe, yourself in a place where you're looking back on your relationship with God, and at one point it was invigorating and exciting, but now you just feel bored with God. You feel cold and distant from God, and you wonder, where are you, Lord? As I said at the beginning, maybe you're entering into a transition or you're facing a transition. And the uncertainty of what lies ahead, the fear of the unknown, as you asking, where are you, Lord? I want to end by giving three applications of God's presence for us today. Three, three things for us. The first, God's presence is experienced by the Holy Spirit. Jesus tells us in John chapter 16 that it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus says that it is better that he leave and that we have the spirit of God. If you grew up in the church, maybe some of you grew up in churches where Holy Spirit was emphasized a lot. Maybe some of you grew up in church where you rarely heard about the third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is equal in power and in glory to the Father and the Son. The Holy Spirit dwells within every Christian. We become the house by which the Spirit dwells. Dale Bruner calls the Holy Spirit the shy member of the Trinity because the Spirit always points us to the work and to the love of the Father and of the Son in our redemption. The Holy Spirit draws us in to experience the love and the grace and the peace and the joy of our salvation, to experience the presence of God with us. Puritan theologian Thomas Watson described, described it this way, the Holy Spirit. He said uh, he was writing about walking behind a father and a son one day and said he saw that the father picked up the son and hugged him and said, I love you, son. And the son responded back, I, I love you too, dad. And, and, and Watson says, now was the son at that moment when he was in his dad's arms legally any more his son? No. But was the son experientially more his son? Yes. We are houses in which the third person of the Trinity dwells. The spirit lives within us to allow us to experience God. Not so that we have double power to do great things in and through us, or to do great things by ourselves, but the Spirit confirms to our hearts and to our souls God's withness with us, His presence with us. God's presence is in the Holy Spirit. Second application God's presence is experienced in His church. It's not just individuals but that become the dwelling of the Holy Spirit, but we, the church, become the place where the Spirit dwells. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit dwell in the church. It's in this place, even here this morning, that the word of God 
comes alive. It's here where we hear the voice of God. It's here where we see God working in one another's lives, and he reminds us he's with us. It's here where we come to the table and we partake of the sacraments, and we're reminded every week God is with us. If you're here this morning and you're asking questions around Christianity, maybe you're inquiring about what it means to know God, you've come to the right place because we believe that it is here among us that God is present. So we encourage you to keep coming back. Keep, keep being with us. Join a city group. Live life with us. And we trust that as we live life together, you will experience God among us. For all of you who are lonely and discouraged, we need one another. We need the church. Come and let's be together. I was talking to a close friend this past week who was ex expressing feeling spiritually dry, that God was distant, and he was telling me that he hadn't been to church in a long time, and he, he knows that that's affecting him. And I was gentle and tried to encourage him around the grace and love of God, and I said, but that, that's true. It's pretty impossible to grow in relationship with God if we're neglecting his presence with us. Now, there's growing data about how more and more people in the West are, are exiting the church completely. Right? We're leaving, people are leaving the church altogether. And there's growing data about how churches in post-COVID times are facing either uh, you know, leaning into the changing realities of media and online platforms that we better beef up all our, all our platforms or, or we're going to see attendance decline. Because the truth is more and more people are choosing to sleep in and, and go to brunch on Sundays rather than come to church. The truth is more and more people are choosing to choose their flavor of church that week and pick whichever service they want to stream online and worship from the comfort of pajamas in their own home. And I'm not hammering, please don't hear me hammering church online. Christ Central, we will offer online church because we realize it helps people connect who are unable to connect with us for various reasons who, that people are unable to connect. We realize that online may be a first step for people who, who've never come to church to check out church. Online is not all that bad. But it's not the same thing as being in person. We need one another. We need one another's prayers. We need one another's words. We need to hear the word of God. We need the sacraments. It's in all of these things that God is present with us. The last thing I'll say in regards to application is that God promises to manifest his presence by his spirit through the church to the world. As Brueggemann notes, Elijah was kept alive by God in reserve for a return of power to continue the emancipatory work of God. We now trust that there is a living Christ who has ascended to the right hand of the Father, who is reigning over all things, who has poured out his spirit on the church and continues to pour out his spirit on the church to be his instruments in this world to see new transforming works done on earth as it is in heaven. We are a people who have our future imaginations infused with hope because the living Christ has promised to return and has promised to renew this world and usher in the new heavens and the new earth. Now, we're not going to read 2 Kings 2 through 7. I would encourage you this week to, to read 2 Kings 2 through 7. We're, we're finishing our series this morning. But there, if you, if you read it this week, you're going to read of the works of Elisha, this newly appointed prophet of God. 
And in chapter 4, Elisha overrides death. In chapter 5, he overrides leprosy. In chapter 6, he overrides war. And in chapter 7, he overrides famine. Elisha is empowered by God and enabled to transform social realities. Christ Central Church, there are no forces that are able to stop the work of God in this world. Jesus removes the sting of death. He heals all sicknesses. He brings peace and justice. And Jesus sends his spirit on his church to be his instrument. Jesus tells us greater things than I have done will you do. Do you believe that? Greater things that, than Jesus has done will the church do. We often sing the song, God of the City. Greater things. Charles has been wanting me to sing. There you go. There's my singing, Charles. <laughs> greater things are still to be done in this city. Do we believe that? Do you believe that there are greater things still to, to be done? Do you believe that God wants to pour out his spirit on this church so that through us, individual lives might be transformed as they come into a saving relationship with Christ for the first time? Do you believe that God wants to transform our community into a genuinely cross-cultural community where people are growing in grace day by day? Do you believe that God wants to use us to see education inequities go away, unemployment numbers decrease, gun violence eradicated, children who have no safe places and safe homes to dwell be brought into loving and safe families? Do we believe, Christ Central, that God wants to use us to see his kingdom come to earth as it is in heaven? That God wants to use all of us in the ways he's gifted us to pour out his spirit, the, the spirit of the risen Christ upon us so that through us he might be glorified. Now, here all of us find ourselves hopefully moving in this post-COVID future. But we're all still uncertain about what's next. What's next? I think about what's next with my three boys all the time, with our family, with this church. Each of you are facing your own realities, your own struggles, your own sufferings, your own transitions. And, and we're all questioning, God, will you be with me or not? And just as my boys looked back at Rachel and I on their first day, making sure we're going to be with them, and we assured them we're going to be right here. We're with you now. We'll be here later. It gave them confidence to step in on that first day. So are we empowered as we trust the promise of this text, that God has been, God is, and God always will be with us. Let's pray. Lord, I ask that you would give us faith to believe. And I thank you that it's not the certainty or the degree of our faith that makes what I said true. It is true because you've said it to be true. You have been with us, you are with us, and you will be with us. And so, Lord, where we question, where we doubt, where our hearts are hard, where we despair, would you give us hope? Would you help us to remember? And even now as we come to the table, would we experience your presence with us? It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.